I'm Robin Linden, and this is Eat the Rind, a podcast devoted to the world of artisan cheese and the things that go with it. Learn more online at eattherind.tumblr.com. A few months ago, my Twitter feed seemed to be taken over by talk of a crowdfunding campaign in support of a new cheese-making enterprise called Mike's Fancy Cheese. This caught my attention, not to mention the fact that Mike wanted to make a raw milk blue cheese, and he planned to set up shop in Northern Ireland. I had so many questions and got in touch to arrange an interview. Mike Thompson and I finally met, and I was able to satisfy my curiosity about this crowdfunding upstart. So I'm here today with Michael Thompson from Mike's Fancy Cheese. Um, Mike, you have set up a cheese company in Belfast, is that right? Um, just outside Belfast, just outside. yeah, about 10 miles outside Belfast. As close to the city as, as possible, but uh, nice to countryside. <laughs> and two of the things that people are most excited about and most talking about with your um, cheese company is the fact that you're going to do a raw milk blue cheese, of which there are definitely a lack of in this country. I mean, we have Stitchelton, um, but we're de- desperate need of more raw blue milk cheeses. But the other thing everyone's really excited about is talking about how you got your funding, because clearly that's something that everyone worries about. And you've done a really innovative, really interesting thing. So will you tell us what you've done? Yeah, of course. Um, I, I moved back to, to Belfast um, after spending a couple of years going around England, working for the Clarks at Spark and Home, just trying to learn everything about cheese. So I would have a robust business plan to, to go home and try and get money and start up my own business back in Northern Ireland. Um, and they make Spark and Hoe by Leicester. Yes, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. It's a great uh-huh. cheese. Uh, even better there for the past year. Mm. <laughs> and um, uh, so I, I came back to, to Belfast. I sort of talked to a few people um, before and there was rumours of grants available and banks are lending and um, just thought it was a great time with a sort of USP of there being no real small-scale cheesemakers in Northern Ireland and a lot of people are talking about uh, Invest I or a government board wanting to get the sort of agri-food going in Northern Ireland so I was real sort of positive for moving back thinking that there was plenty of routes to get funding back home and then I went to the bank, done my business plan talk to the bank manager for about an hour and whenever you don't have a house to lend against it <laughs> they were quickly very uninterested and uh, so I started looking at different routes asset finance and again the people I were talking to almost wanting your business to fail so they could get their money back and stuff mm. and it wasn't something that I was very comfortable with and um, went on a few grant schemes um, but again they want all complete new equipment and everything very high price yeah, and high spec um, to fit in no second-hand equipment and stuff like that um, which again I wasn't too happy with and there was an awful lot of paperwork and things that you had to adhere to that weren't for the greater good of the cheese so mm. again mm. Um, something that I wasn't completely um, grateful with. Um, a lot of friends of mine um, started talking about uh, crowdfunding Kickstarter and another one down in Dublin called Funded.ie a lot of like artists and musicians funding albums and things like that. So I started to look at the idea of crowdfunding. And can you just say what crowdfunding is for people who don't know? Okay, well crowdfunding is basically getting a lot of s- small amounts of money to, to get a, for your funding. Um, in terms of Kickstarter, it's a reward base. So people would buy whatever it is that you're going to sell, like a pre-sale. So you're able to get the money and go and make whatever the item is, if you get a watch or, or some food. 
um, or the route that I went down, which was uh, Cedars, is equity crowdfunding. So I offered up 40% of my business for the amount of um, startup capital that I needed, which was £80,000. It's the money that I needed was seventy four thousand, but Cedars works as in they take a seven and a half percent fee, so mm. you raise an extra seven and a half percent of what you want, and you don't get any of the money unless you reach your hundred percent target. Right. So, I launched on Cedars um, in January, and uh, thought it was just a case of once you get on the platform, put the feet up and watch the money roll in. But uh, <laughs> it wasn't quite like that, and I started to get a lot of PR, but it was all sort of due. Like at the end, so we had ninety days to raise the money. So, so they, so Cedars gives you a time limit. <clears throat> so yeah, so you have, you have ninety days to raise whatever X you amount. decide yeah. the amount is. Uh-huh, yeah. And so, how did you decide on that amount? Um. So I sort of again from just uh, price and everything out. So I went to my refrigeration guys, found out how much all the refrigeration and rooms and things like that were. And are you did you are you looking to build a new dairy or go to a pre-existing? No. One? So we're going again. Well, another thing a lot of people says, why didn't you just move into like a pre-fab food thing in Northern Ireland? There's nothing mm-hmm. <laughs> of the sort. You know, we're very sort of always like a lot behind the rest of the UK. Um. So basically, it was a, a unit um in a business park which I've completely like kitted out so it's basically a big empty square that I was able to insert a dairy into is the sort of best way to mm. describe it um so you found a premises uh-huh. and got some con- consultants to tell you what it would cost uh, yeah so just basically Quotes. yeah just got like sort of the it was on an enterprise park so they're quite flexible in terms of me getting access to it before I signed an agreement with it um so I was able to get people up to get quotes for everything and get everything priced out that way um and then once we had everything in place then it was just a case of hopefully someone doesn't take this unit in the next x amount of months it takes me to raise the money but again a great thing was there was like three right beside each other so the likelihood of all three of them getting taken in such a short space of time was but still something to think about yeah again so uh, as always in the back of the mind so that's why i was really trying to get things moving as, as quickly as possible so we uh we launched first and again hadn't really done as much research as as I should have. So whenever we went on, after forty days, we had raised about sixteen percent of of our total, um, and I'd went a lot of um, what do you call them like uh, like crowdfunding days in Belfast. I got a lot of feedback on my pitch that was up, um, and so from other people, from who other people, successfully not even other people who successfully gone through the crowdfunding, but uh, like other business people were there, so that if they were for them looking at that saying why they wouldn't invest mm. and it was a really interesting thing one of the, the first things came up was you have to have a pitch video and I basically it was just me talking to a webcam her sound looked quite dark and um, one of the guys on it said we'll make you a lovely video with the idea that if it helps you get your funding we'll work with you in the future doing other things oh that's great so um, they came up to the shop where I used to work which is uh, Arcadia Deli in Belfast we got like a really nice shot and was put up on the Cedars. So then we relaunched the crowdfunding. So emailed all investors invested saying we're going to relaunch in March whenever we had all this other PR. Oh, so you stopped out. it. So we stopped our first run. Yeah. Oh, they, they let you do that. Yeah, yeah. So you're allowed okay. to cancel it or relaunch at any stage and stuff like that. So we canceled that with the idea of relaunching whenever all the PR was coming out. So it would be all our PRs around sort of the middle of March. So, um, Whenever we went on, everyone who put the money in put it straight back in. So it's like day one, 
16 percent oh, completed that's and that just gave us the momentum so then did they was that an automatic transfer or did they, they did had, everyone have to manually do it they again? had to yeah so they were sent an email and they were given a choice mm. and they had to do it and quite a lot of people i think after like the new pitch and the new video anyone who invested in us before reinvested and at a higher level as well oh that's so amazing. we were sort of like just off to a flyer and it took us 30 days then to raise the rest of the eighty thousand pounds that's amazing yeah it's pretty cool <laughs> so what other stuff did you do besides make the video um so made the video um a, a, a lot of people like working alongside me it is just basically mike's fancy cheese is just me making cheese <laughs> <laughs> in the shed um so but i have like like a, the, my, one of the best friends tony moore who I live with, um, he's a graphic designer, um, Mark Brown, who's my old boss at the Arcadia, has been like a sort of real business mentor, he had, had done up that shop and stuff like that, so I was, the, the, this was my team, but I hadn't like vocalised it really, you know, so I just was a case of like saying, I've got Mark on board, he's my business mentor, I've got Tony, he's doing all my brand work, and I think just whenever people realise that it's not just me out in the field making cheese, that we're a lot happier to to come on board, you know, the sort of scene and support there. Uh, at the same time, we had a lot of the PR was starting to come, so we had that up on the on the Cedars thing. So they sort of were able to see other people's reaction to us, and that we weren't just like someone doing it in a shed. It was. And you were on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we linked everything up. So we're on Twitter and Tumblr, and just trying trying to link everything up and for everyone to have a use. Um, uh, one thing I find with with cheese is. Um, like the imagery and stuff and the words around it are all around like the rolling fields and the cows and like I think that's fantastic and but we're not a farm we're making it in a, an industrial sense but at the same time it's a real handmade product I've got that great relationship with my farmer and up there mm -hmm. like every couple of days even whenever I'm not making cheese now just building that relationship with them and taking the milk home and fermenting it and just like getting to know it which is a really weird thing getting to know your milk so we want to like almost take that sort of we're showing people that it is made cheese is made in somewhere with white walls but it can be like this beautiful product within that and get the sort of flavors from it so trying to use things like tumblr just to have class imagery and get like real nice photos of the, like mm. the, the, like the interesting things to me um and a lot of my friends is like how it's made so it's like seeing the mill and seeing the molds and seeing the cheese whenever it's green you know before yeah. before it like gets Amazing. this end point so you see like all like especially in your sh shop upstairs all the cheese with like different rinds and different you know you got white ones and brown ones and red ones and stuff and what people i think find really interesting is like whenever you tell them that all just comes from milk and a starter culture they all think that you've added something else in it yeah. so i think seeing the cheese in it's sort of like naked forms but mm -hmm. real sort of like like added bonus for everyone you know so so you you raise the money mm -hmm. and then what is your obligation to those people um so none really they can have as much or as little investment as they want um the idea that so they own 40 percent of the company so the idea is whenever as a whole all as a whole yeah uh, as a so cedars holds the the shares as a nominee so cedars could like, make all the decisions like that i would sort of deal directly with cedars and if I wanted to do something major with a company, like take out a loan or anything like that, I have to go sit down with Cedars and say, I need to take out a loan or I need to invest more money. And they would sort of do all the due diligence around that and say, yep, buy ahead. And then they would filter that on through to the, the rest of the investors. But I'd say it's great because it's, we had 98 different people invested in us from £10 all the way up to £15,000. Amazing. And it's just like you've got like a... A sales team already in place you know we got like investors we did a a map up whenever i got all the investors addresses and stuff like that 
um, and we've got an investor right up in Thurso, like right in the very north of Scotland, all the way down to Plymouth. So we, we can like <laughs> legitimately say we have like, in, like Mike's fancy cheese is owned by like the all over like, Britain. Yeah, so it's really cool. So what sort of power do they have, or controlling decisions, or um, just as a they've got as a as a shareholder would in any other business. So we'll have I have to report back to them on a quarterly basis. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got like a quarterly report where I say I spent this, this is the money that's come in and, and, and so forth. So I suppose I'm at that risk that if we do start to go bad or something like that, or we're not making the money, you know, the, the, the controlling power would be then <laughs> kick me out if, if that was mm-hmm. to be. But I think um, without that sort of thing there, it's, it sort of drives me on, drives the business on and um, it makes it more than just a little cottage industry. We are you know, mm-hmm. a limited company. And I think uh, like, Northern Ireland, while it is part of the UK, it's sort of detached from both from both the Southern Irish market and the English market. Where Interesting. it's very hard to do like a like a soft cheese because by the time it reaches its end user, it's going to be so variable. So again, we had to like look at what type of cheese that would would work well, and there's not that developed cheese market in Northern Ireland. So to start off small, you've you've either start really small, um, and then it just but doing it that way, you can't really get the profit that you need to, to do. So going in at this level was sort of I needed to become like a, a li- like a, a limited business and have that sort of slight risk there. And uh, how did you decide not to do something like Indiegogo or Kickstarter, where a person invests and then they 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 invest in a? You gave the example of a watch, and huh. then at the end of it, they get a watch. Yeah. Um. So again, I Kickstarter was the first one I looked at. Um. But if I had to give away seventy four thousand pounds worth of cheese, I'd have nothing to sell for the, mm. the first uh, the first sort of six uh, months. Yeah, so I've I've often wondered that. You know, I've often wondered how yeah. people manage it. So it's, it's it's slightly weird that it was something that I thought that the Kickstarter was going to be the way to go, and then realised that I would be giving out all this cheese, so I'd have no cheese then to like pay the the farmer yeah. and stuff like that. So um, the equity route was the way to go, and. Again, for for one person, like everyone was asking, oh, well, you've give up forty percent of your company. You're not worried about that. And I was like, it's not a negative thing. It's a positive thing for me. You know, I've got so many other, more people in it together with me, um, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, as a, somebody who's a cheesemaker, it doesn't mean that you're trained in the business side of it. And I think a, a lot of people don't realize how much there is behind that. And now you've got other people, presumably, who you could probably pick up the phone and would be willing. Help you think through yeah issues that come up uh-huh. um completely like uh, before going into this I have extreme limited <laughs> business background you know sort of went from was at school then working in like a in home care for a year then thought oh social work is where I want to go did six months of social work degree dropped out went away over to England and sort of blew my student loan traveling around all the cities having a bit of fun and then get to come back to Belfast tail between the legs and had to like try and find something I wanted to do and I always knew that I hate, used to hate like big massive businesses and there's a little small deli on the Lisbon Road, Arcadia, um, and went in whenever I came back looking to see if they had any um, jobs and it just so happened that um, the owner had two sons and there had been those three working there for like the past 20 years and one of the sons was just literally just leaving like in a couple of weeks time so I like took the place of that son and then the other son took it over about two years later and did it up from a little dusty grocer mm. into sort of a, a, a high-end deli wow. focusing on local products and I'd worked there alongside Mark for like four years 
And from that, that was like the one thing that we noticed was like there's no good Northern mm. Irish cheese. You know, mm-hmm. if people are coming looking for local cheese, we'd give them something from UK or we'd give them something from um, down south, you know, and it was just, just couldn't fathom it. And then I sort of got more and more into cheese, stumbled across School of Arts and Food and thought, let's go for it. Because you were part of that first graduating class. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, and um, so we were the first six, first five through School of Arts and Food, um, in a tumultuous opening year <laughs> of it, you know. So, but again, like stuff like that, like that year that I was there, while the school had its ups and downs, the people that I met on that course and the access that it gave me to, like, like people like Neil Jard and mm-hmm. the work experience, you know, I worked with Spark and Ho, um, where they make the Red Leicester, and I ended up getting a job straight from college yeah. from that. I worked with um, Montgomery's um, work experience, Tonworth, you know, just sort of... Wow, there's you know, some big names. Yeah, definitely. Like, even like, uh, like Jewett Innes and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. just sort of, you were given so much work experience and it was sort of hard to believe the amount of... Like when it, looking back at it, the access that we, we got and like talking to other people who have started up cheese making businesses and stuff like that, it's you realise that, that it's such a great community and like having that there at the School of Artisan and uh, sort of waffling here, but... <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is. I mean, people, other people have said the same thing to me. And I, and along those same lines, when you were, because School of Artisan Food is located where Stitchelton is made, uh-huh. did you have the opportunity to spend yeah, so, your time with Joe Schneider? Yeah, so we did like, um, we did our um, blue cheese Joe at, uh, at Stitchelton and that was great. And again, like having almost to pick Joe's brain, he would come across the school quite a lot, delivering us the milk, that's where we got the milk to make cheese, so not only did you have like a couple of weeks there, seeing how it's done, get your hands, seeing the milk and stuff like that, you also had the access to Joe Schneider's brain, you know, just like, just chatting to him, and like he, like I went over, he sort of said, if you have any questions, just drop on by, so you could go over for a one-to-one for half an hour, and just sort of see where he had struggled, and seen sort of like, what sort of help and, that he and did any of that influence your decision to make a raw blue milk cheese? Um, I think it was it was that and just the fact that everyone I've spoke to like uh, Andy Swinskin at uh, the courtyard up in mm-hmm. Saddle I've sort of got a good relationship with him and, and um, Pippa Paxton's and again just like that's what everyone sort of said whenever you ask someone what you want is either a soft a soft cheese or uh, a raw milk blue cheese um, I really enjoyed making it at Stitchelton and loved that sort of the method of it and how it's real sort of slow and subtle mm. and I also just love the sort of array of tastes that you get in a blue cheese and also like it's really weird one of my favorite things was whenever like, the cheese is really young and before it gets pierced whenever it's in the drying room just that sort of real pear like pear drops mm. like taste of like a young white stitching um and like again that's what we're sort of going to look at as if if we make it or can we if we don't pierce it, will it stay white? Is it going to go blue? So there's just like, I'm really sort of excited what we can do with it. And I think alongside the blue cheese mix, there's scope for like doing other like small batches at the same time because there's a lot of sitting and waiting and stuff like that. So yeah, I think it's just a real sort of flexible, exciting cheese. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're, and as a, a cheese person who is really wants to focus as locally as possible on cheese, the idea of getting more, raw milk blue cheese is closer to home is a really good thing yeah so definitely everyone is very excited exactly about well that's i could find um i was <laughs> whenever i was in london a couple of years ago um i was on the train um heading back up and i got chatting to a girl sat beside me who worked at the 
um, uh, London, the, what's the big library in London? Well, there's the London Library. Yeah. Is that the one? Uh-huh. And there was like a, an old um, Or paper. it's the British Library. The British Library, yeah. Library, yeah. There's an old paper in the British Library, which was the manufacturer of two Gorgonzola cheese. So I got her, like, cost, I'm like, like 50 quid or something like that for this 10-page document. So I, like, sort of befriended her on the train and got her to post me up a copy to, to where <laughs> I lived. And then the woman that I was living with at the time, her mum was living in Italy. So her little sister was fluent in Italian. So her 12-year-old sister then translated it from oh, Italian <laughs> into English for me. So I've got, like, a recipe for two-curd gorgonzola, which, again sort of a year or so down the line we're going to look into sort of doing something like that as well play around with that yeah a bit. yeah it's a bit higher risk to go in straight off doing like such a high moisture cheese high moisture run with blue cheese so i think we'll, we'll sort of ease in and then see, see what so do you have there. an idea of, of a recipe or where how you what it will be like for the the stitch on or like for yeah, the raw for milk. Your raw milk yeah, yeah yeah again it sort of will follow that sort of like um the slow make using like a, a pint starter culture and like just sort of seeing where our milk goes obviously it'll, like that's what everyone always says like can you copyright a, a cheese recipe how are you going to protect this like a lot of our, my investors like how can you keep your recipe safe and I said well that's the, the beauty of raw milk it doesn't, it matter. doesn't matter you yeah. know someone could be doing it 10 miles down the road and it'll be different so it's just sort of and I know the certifications that I'm looking for and I know the taste I want to try and get it's just sort of getting the milk in the vat and hopefully it plays along <laughs> you know but stuff like all that time and, and stuff learning like that. from oh it. yeah definitely so it's just like that's again one thing I'm really looking forward to is just spending a lot of time at graphs you know <laughs> so when does it when will you start playing around with it when do you have access to the dairy so our refrigerator everything's sort of in place our vat arrives next week our Amazing. shelves arrive next week and we're just waiting on our refrigeration which was held up a bit because of the shutdown in Europe um, they seem to have like some sort of like August shutdown. Yeah, so yeah. Um, it should be hopefully up with us around the start of September time, and then we'll start getting some milk in the vat and then around with it. So you're just going to start playing around with it in September. Yeah, so, so yes, we'll start in. We're going to do just like start at like quite high, sort of two hundred liter batches for the first sort of five days, and then sort of we'll hopefully by after a couple of weeks we'll see where we're going right, where we're going wrong, and we'll sort of then shorten like the, the number of batches but higher up the amount of milk we use at each time so we'll start and how many months so, do you expect it to mature for uh, so it'll be three months um oh you're just gonna miss christmas yeah i know <laughs> i know so we've booked into like a lot of local markets and stuff like that um so if we if if it's just a bit too young we'll sort of again we're looking at see if we can get some white cheese out um and just sort of see where it goes see, like see what's tasting nice and just yeah, well, that's a, sort of like there's a lot of events around Christmas time, so it would be perfect if we could get it like just in time. We'll see. Uh, there's see always next Christmas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? So, do you have any advice for people who are thinking about doing any some sort of a crowdfunding thing? Yeah, I, um, I say go for it. Um, I think it's a really exciting time. One thing I learned is there's a lot of people with a lot of money who are looking for things to do, mm. but it's not. Don't just do it, do your research, do your sort of, like a, like a plan it out. I think one thing that helped me was that people saw there was like a passion in what I was doing and as, as a young person doing something that they're passionate about was one of the main reasons why I'd say a lot of people 
invested in me. So if you have been doing something that you you're passionate about for a while and stuff like that, and you're thinking, can this be a business? Get a proper business plan and crowdfund mm-hmm. it, and it's the best way to see if it is a if it could be a business. You know, you don't have to quit your job and or anything yet, but if you could crowdfund it with your business plan in place, you're getting you know twenty, thirty people who are years and years experience of business picking holes in your business plan. You know, mm-hmm. so it's uh, I don't think it'd be any any harm and like. And it sounds like you suggest someone does a pretty high quality video. Yeah, I, I'd say like again. Um, Talking with Cedars, they are working in line with a video producer who are doing high-end videos for a big reduced price for people who go through Cedars. So if you were to use someone like Cedars as an equity thing, as an equity-based crowdfunding, if you before you just post up, make contact with them. They're they're a, they're only a startup themselves. They've been a year and a half, and they're more than happy to put you in touch with the people who could do the video and stuff like that. And if you're going to put it through Cedars, it's like very cheap compared mm. to like want to get in some of the videos for you and generally speaking for any crowdfunding website it sounds like you suggest spending focusing more on public relations than maybe people think they need yeah, to but definitely the money doesn't just uh-huh. come into your account <laughs> yeah exactly i think especially like even like i did a lot of pr in, in northern ireland and was in a lot of local papers and went to a lot of like local investor events and i think like one or two people from those events invested in me but it gives the investors, they see that you're doing it and that you're mm. trying to do it and you're not being lazy and that if you're tweeting and you're trying to like make contact with people, I think it's more that, that they see that you're proactively trying to get this money, you know, I think a lot of people see crowdfunding as people who just want a sort of a lazy way to get mm. money, you know, so like, like the people that do have money to invest but they're not just going to give it to you, they want to see that you've covered all your risks and it is a proper business and, you know. That, that you that you want it to succeed and you're not just testing the water and yeah that's that. great so it sounds like that crowdfunding is perfect for people who know what they want and are super driven to get it but just don't happen to have the money yeah to get there. exactly and you know like going to the school of arts and food you know that was a big outlay for for someone like myself i have no sort of house or no mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. no capital so you know I, I spent a lot of money to go there and i think like people realize like more than the bank so if you were a bank and the bank says well you put into it I said well I've spent x amount for the past two years like meeting the connections and learning the market you know they see that as zero input but if you're to an investor like, at least the investor will see that you've spent that much time and effort so they don't see that as zero they see as you've put this much into the business why it's not capital it doesn't really matter it's something else yeah excellent All right, well, I can't wait to hear more about it, and I definitely can't wait to try the cheese. Thanks again. Follow Mike's progress on mfcheese.tumblr.com, and be sure and ask your local cheese shop to stock Mike's fancy cheese as soon as it hits the market.